Hey, welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. We are three ordinary pastors from three different generations comparing notes about life and ministry. We're so glad that you uh, took the time to join us this week. And uh, we take some time out to uh, just talk between each other. And uh, thank you for listening in on our conversations about uh, different things that uh, we're thinking about and different things that we're dealing with when it comes to ministry. Uh, We always start out with uh, just a question to kind of help you orient about a little bit more about who we are but uh, kind of where we come from and our different generations. And so my question for you guys today is, who was your childhood sports hero? So maybe somebody that you grew up watching or idolizing um, as you uh, you kind of went through your journey as a young kid um, thinking about sports. So Glenn, how about you? Yeah, it would be around baseball. It would be uh, the Chicago Cubs because they were on TV uh, most of the time. It would, be, it would be Ernie Banks. Wanted to be an infielder, shortstop. Um, that was my dream. And the dream was great until it died in uh, high school. <laughs> like most well, dreams do. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, um, I, I don't really watch that much baseball anymore, but I did as a kid. And uh, we were not too far away from Kansas City. And so I grew up in uh, the era of the George Brett uh, Royals. And uh, I remember going to multiple games and he was the big bat at the time, but he was also the one who got in trouble for the pine tar controversy. And uh, and so I remember uh, looking up and kind of idolizing him and his ability to play. And uh, my dream died a lot earlier than yours, uh, probably at Little League when I realized I wasn't ever going to come anywhere close to any of those things. How about you, Ryan? I'm not so sure I ever had a dream. Um, definitely didn't have a prayer, a hope or a prayer either. I didn't actually grow up really in a sports watching family. Uh, and so the, uh, and Nashville's not really known for its sports teams. I mean, the Titans are having a good year this year. And so I, I'm going to go back to the only other good year the Titans have had, which is the first year that they were the Titans, which I believe was 2001 as, uh, and with the music city miracle and Eddie George since then, cause I've wanted to follow some sports i've adopted a couple of teams uh but as far as like idolizing anyone growing up eh, i unfortunately don't have anyone but i've adopted the cubs now so totally like the ernie banks there we go (laughs) well uh as a segue um we're we're talking about those that were successful in sports careers and those that uh, we kind of idolize and so we want to take some time today to just talk about uh kind of success in ministry. And uh, I, I think this is a, a good topic to kind of think about um, because it, it is a little bit more elusive uh, than we may we may think of. You know, uh, we uh, generally in, in the church world, uh, I think most of the time when people think of success uh, for churches, they think of it in terms of the three B's, right? Uh, butts, budgets, and baptisms. So how many people are in the seats? Uh, how bigger your, is your budget and how many people have come to faith or how many people have you baptized? And uh, while I think that those have some merit in terms of uh, metrics, I think there's also some troubling things that those uh, can cause and some things that uh, have, have happened because people use those as the only matrix. Um, so I guess my first question to you guys to think about is, as you think about success in church, what is it for you that becomes the the metric? What how how would you 
think about those things. Is it the three B's or is it something else? Well, I think the silence is telling because this, this is a struggle with pastors, um, especially pastors who are driven and want, want to achieve, want to see Christ's name be proclaimed where I am, um, what I'm currently looking at and where I'm, I'm trying to figure out my own personal answer to this is, is the, the health and vitality of the congregation. Um, we're starting to use, um, language at, here at Community Bible Church about growth, and I'm always quick to say it's not numerical, numerically uh, first, but growth in discipleship, growth in health, growth in encouragement of the body, where are people coming into church, whether it's 10 people, whether it's 100 people, whether it's 1,000 people, it's definitely not 1,000 people here, and they are excited, they have a place to belong, and they walk in and have a greater connection with Christ. Um, so it's not necessarily any of the B's, um, I think it, 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 that definitely are, are some good indicators, but it's our people, our people coming in and being encouraged, uh, with the gospel, with the word of God, and then going out and are, are encouraged and excited to share his name. Isn't, isn't it amazing where our mind, where our minds go when we're, we're asked this particular question about, uh, where we derive our success. Um, yeah, the three B's are certainly, you know, where, where our mind naturally goes to, but it's also where we know that it shouldn't stay. Um, on the other side of the continuum, I would, where I don't want to see is I want to see transformed lives. Um, I want to see my life continue to be transformed, become more and more like, like Jesus Christ and to, uh, model the, uh, uh, the character and the the, uh, the aspirations that come from a life with him. Uh, and I also would look back and say I, that what I look to to see as a success is where I've created environments where those around me could could better find themselves and who they are in Christ and, and to see that growth and that life transformation as well. Uh, I'm trying to put myself back in 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 the ages where you guys are at, uh, because looking back at, back at it now where my kids are grown, where I've had, where I've had, uh, ministries that, that have begun and, and then have continued and then some have failed, um, and find out where, what do I think about all of that? And I think with my kids, it's like, uh, they, they, I know I I am thrilled when I see them becoming just kind of what I mentioned, just becoming who it is that, that I think that the guy created them to be. They found their each of their identities and allowed them to create an environment where they could where they could pursue that. And I'd say the same in the different ministry opportunities I've had too. But but it's a constant struggle um, uh, every day, reminding myself of what is important and trying to help remind others of of uh what it is that we're really striving for what do you guys think about the whole concept of even metrics in church as a whole i mean i think we live in a culture where we want to have measurables we we want to be able to look at some kind of indicator we want to be able to have a graph right and, and say this is what we are and that that helps to you know prove or validate our success um and yet some of the things that you guys were even bringing up they're very hard to to put on a 
put on a chart. I mean, I can't put on a chart. Did I create a better environment for people or um, how are people doing in terms of their growth in Christ or transformed lives? Um, you know, those things don't chart well. And I know even different church movements have tried to kind of um, organize those into different different ways. How are you moving through different stages? Where are you on different bases? Um, and I, I struggle at times uh, on one side of things saying, okay, is there a metric that we can put on a chart? And then on the other side of things, if we totally ignore the metrics, are we doing what we need to do? So how, how do you guys think about those? I always view those things less with less as as you know raw data, um, kind of points in time, and more of a storyline. Because if if I were to tell you guys about you know two churches, one has there's a hundred people in the congregation, they have a hundred thousand dollar budget, and they've had ten baptisms, and then I compare that with somebody that it's a thousand member church and it's a million dollar budget, and they've had a hundred baptisms. You know, in one sense, from a metric standpoint, you go, oh, the thousand member church is is stronger, is better, is more successful. But then I tell you the backstory and go, well, the thousand member church went from a 10,000 member church and it was down. And actually from this year to, to last year, they've lost all this money and all these people are leaving. And this hundred member church is a church plant. So I, for me, I always I, I'm not necessarily looking at a point in time perspective, but what's the graph saying? What's the overall picture? saying? what's the story? of um of of those three b's you know are, are there more people in the seats or are there less people in the seats i I think you know in some sense we can we're just going to preach the gospel and not worry about that but if there are people leaving on a consistent basis you do have to ask the question why because they're leaving for some reason and it might not be a valid reason or a good biblical reason or or even a reason to change but why are they leaving and then if your budget's shrinking you have to ask that question and then if there's less bad so i think those are those metrics are necessary and to say we're not going to pay attention to them at all is um, naive at best. And probably that's going to be an unsuccessful church because you kind of have to pay attention to it. But I don't think it's you can't look at them in isolation to each other or kind of in a still frame. You have to see what the overall storyline of the church is saying. Wow, such wisdom at such a young age. Uh, Ryan, that's great. I wish I would have been able to. Uh, uh, to have had that wisdom uh, a blind really. squirrel gets a nut in the woods every once in a while so hey. <laughs> uh but you're, but but you're so right and uh it's like we don't want to ignore it like you said pay attention to it but but then what's the what's the greater context and a lot of it is you know there's there's you know what's the product that we're after and then what are the principles or the process that gets us to that and um i try to be as principle based uh, as, as possible, like when you say create, you know, what's uh, I want to create an environment. Okay, what's that environment look like? Well, what 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 are some of the? How do I break down that environment, and uh, and then how do I how do I see that take its place? Um, uh, and so, if I want a, a grace filled environment, if I want to have an environment where there's uh, where there's a dependence upon the Holy Spirit and acknowledgement of that, you know, just are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Are people aware of the Holy Spirit and, and his, uh, the engagement that he wants to have in our lives? In fact, that he lives within us. Uh, do we value a grace, the grace orientation, the grace that we've been given? And, uh, and can I tangibly see where grace is given and, uh, and where it is not? Um, so it's, uh, it, 
uh, it's so easy to, to just use the, the buildings, bucks and, and bodies or whatever three B's you want to use. Um, that's the easy way out, kind of a lazy way out, but it's much more, uh, it's much more important to be able to, to have to engage in those principles. And, uh, uh, is it, can I ask this question? Is it possible to, um, be growing in your, in, in the three B's, whichever one you want to do, uh, have more people, have a larger budget, had have more baptisms and actually be quote unquote failing at ministry or unsuccessful. I mean, I, I think that's a, a very distinct possibility. Um, we don't have time, but we could talk about a, a podcast that recently came out that uh, talked about a church that was doing all of those things in exponential kind of ways and ended up being a, a total failure and it ended in total collapse. And, uh, and so I think just focusing on those things and seeing those things or, you know, I guess at one end being, being in the, you know, hundreds fastest growing churches in America list, it doesn't necessarily indicate anything in terms of sick, really real spiritual success and real, real spiritual health. What do you think? Andy, Glenn? what are you aiming at? You, you didn't, I don't think you answered the question, but you, you know, when you think success in ministry, the local pastor, when you get done with your ministry, whenever that is, what, well, what do you I mean, hope people say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there's two directions here. One, we've been talking organizationally. Um, and so I think some of the things that Glenn was talking about of creating an environment, seeing a group of people that are, are growing. Um, I do want to see people that are coming to faith. Um, or And that process sometimes is not you know, punctilier. It's not a, a moment. Sometimes it's over over a massive time where they almost turn around and go, Hey, I'm not where I was. Um, and so I think there's some of that, but I would like to turn the conversation, not just organizationally, but personally. Um, because to be honest, I, I struggle with times of trying to figure that out just personally. What is a personal success instead of what is the success of the church? What is the success of the pastor? Um, in my darker, you know, brooding kind of moments, I have to be honest that I, I think, Sometimes it feels like success is survival, right? I made it through. Um, I, I didn't cheat on my wife. Um, I didn't leave my church in a lurch. I, I, uh, everything is still, the cogs are still turning. Um, but yet, I think the difficulty of that is that it kind of leaves you as the leader and as the pastor uh, empty. And so... I still struggle at times of what does that look like for me personally as the pastor to be a success. Um, I've recently realized that there's more of a need to have, you know, what is a vital relationship with Christ just personally look like? Um, I think we can very much function and even have successful ministries and even do preaching and even do, you know, important ministry. And that becomes our vocation instead of becoming the way that we're living in terms of our connection with Christ, um, our uh, experience with the Spirit, um, our interaction with Scripture, uh, and be unsuccessful uh, in all of those things and still look uh, wonderful on the outside. What do you think, Glenn? Well, I've I've wrestled with this a lot over the years, and 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 kind of the, the North Star or the North Stars, I have three of them, 
that 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 I wake up to uh, every day, and I use it in those terms, is my identity statement, a mission statement, and then I have a mantra. This is this is what I'm preaching to myself to keep me to keep me grounded. My my identity statement in biblical language is I'm a sinner saved by grace. Now I'm empowered by God to be an ambassador of reconciliation and an advocate for righteousness. So I just break that down. That's what I want to be. That's my identity, who I am. My mission statement is such that I want to help reach the world for Christ by mobilizing the local church around the great commandment and the great commission. So I think in, in those terms as well. But you're gonna love you're gonna love my mantra though. My mantra uh, is is aspire, abide, best day ever. The idea that that each of us uh, we wake up each day, we go to sleep at night. When we hit the pillow that night, we look back over the day and we say, how did I do? Successful day or not? Uh, we wake up the next morning and uh, we look forward to it. What guides us? So I've mentioned recognizing who, who I am, uh, recognizing what I'm about, my identity statement, my mission statement. Then the, the mantra is aspire. So that morning getting up, I want to aspire to the things. We're all aspiring to something each day. I want to aspire to the things uh, that recognize my identity and recognize my mission uh, that I've taken from scriptures, taken with my walk with the Lord. Uh, in that, I recognize that to, to reach those aspirations, I need to abide. I need to come into to fellowship or, or to follow along with something. Of course, here's where the word of God and the spirit of God come. So I'm aspiring to things of God. I'm uh, abiding with him or recognizing his Holy Spirit and his word are there to help me through that day. I want to be obedient to that. So where then when I get to the pillow that night and I look back, I should be able to say best day ever, because how could I not if if I'm aspiring to the things of the Lord and I'm and I want to be <clears throat> empowered by him to do to, to meet every challenge, to meet every conversation relationship I have with what it is that he wants me to give that day. So if I've been obedient to that, how can I say that that day wasn't the best day ever if if the, the God of the universe has put me on this planet to be able to live this life. Huge thoughts, I know. But for some reason, they help me to be able to stay within myself and within my my, my person of what he's called me about. Um, so for what that's worth, Andy, Ryan, that's, that's kind of where I go to. Aspire to the things of the Lord. Abide in the, the way that he has given for me for that day. And uh, how can I not trust that it could be the best day ever? And then hopefully that'll accumulate. Ryan, for you, what do you feel like success looks like? I, my prayer is that I, I'm going to get done with the end of life and ministry and, um, and the Lord can say, well done, good and faithful servant, as we all have that prayer. And then, and then the secondary prayer that follows that is, prayer that I can be content that I can be content with the life and ministry that the Lord gives me. Um, as a young man, as an, as a driven guy, I, I, I struggle with this question at times because I, in my flesh want to be a success at a certain level. And yet what we see in the scripture is that the Lord uses ordinary people and the weirdest people to bring about his divine plan of redemption. And he uses some to, a flash in the pan um, and in the smallest ways, and he uses others in the grandest ways. And in the end, no one gets the glory. God gets the glory. So 
you know, it's like John the Baptist. It's everyone's got to understand their place. He understood his place. He went, nope, I don't get the glory. He gets the glory. And and so some of my some some of my prayer with success is that I can get to the end and say, well done, good and faithful service, and I can be content with the ministry that he gave me. And you know, Andy, as as you mentioned, where there's been some podcasts here and there of of, of speaking about those those kind of really successful places of ministry that in the end you have to look at and go, but they weren't about Jesus and God. They were actually about the man. Um, and so I hope that in my success, that at the end, people don't see me, people see Christ and that I can get out of my own way and, um, and that I can be used to glorify his name and not to build my platform and, and to glorify my name. And the scary part is I know he will do that, but that can be really painful on my end. So really it's a contentment of, Lord, whatever you have for me, because again, I'm young in ministry, whatever you have for me over the next coming 30, 40 years, Lord willing, I can be content with that station in life and with that plan for me and be content with him getting the glory and not myself. I think that's huge, Ryan. That's that's right on. Andy, how about you? Well, I mean, I keep going back to a passage like 1 Corinthians 3, um, and Paul is struggling with the Corinthians that have all these divisions and they're wearing different name badges, you know, the I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, the really spiritual people are saying I'm, I'm of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, he gets to first Corinthians three and he, he draws this and he draws several analogies there. One of them is this kind of God's garden analogy or God's field. And, uh, he, he talks about the, the place of the people in God's field. And he says, you know, I, I planted and Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the growth. Um, I, I really think that a lot of times we want to be the ones that turn around. And if we're really honest, we want to turn around and we say, well, I, I watered, I planted, I watered, and I caused the growth. And, you know, chapter three is all about the fact that, you know, what is Paul and what is Apollos? Merely servants through whom that, that those things happen. And I, I think we, I don't, I don't think it's specific to our day and age, but I do think it's a, it's a special challenge in the, in the world of, um, you know, podcasts and large churches and media and, you know, uh, evangelical fame. We want to look at those things and say, those are successful when people hear, look at, read, um, consider all the things that I have to say. And yet I, I wonder so many times for me personally, is it really about, and is it pointed to ultimately the God of the universe who has come to save them? And am I relying on, and am I trusting in the fact that he is going to provide the growth? Um, and I, I sadly at times I've had to answer that question. No. Um, but I, I think, Hopefully, we continue to see our per, our place, um, and we continue to um, put ourselves in the right vein of what it is that that success really looks like, as we point to the one who's ultimately going to bring it. I think the the most humbling part of ministry is is uh, is realizing what you just said, Andy. Is that as much as we think we have all of the answers, as much as we think we can step into a moment and save the day put that in quotes. In the end, it's all the Lord. We're all vessels for his choosing. And 
some anywhere and you know and vessels of clay and some of us are going to be used for honorable uses and some of us are going to be used for dishonorable uses but all of us are going to be used for god and that that is uh, again as a young man as an ambition man, that that's a that is a struggle and as you said in this day and age where material is spread so broadly i mean it used to be that the your favorite pastor was your only pastor the one that you could hear every sunday morning and now you know, everyone's favorite pastor is some major podcaster out there that has years of experience and has been able to, you know, see all of these different things and is the best communicator out there. And the, and the rest of the Joe Schmoes like myself are like, I'm just, we're just trying to make it. But the, the comfort that I have is that the Lord uses anyone to, to proclaim his glory. And he uses the, the weak things of the world to shame the wise and to shame the strong. And that means he gets to use me as a local pastor to proclaim his name. And I pray one day somebody's going to turn around and say, the Lord used Ryan Haskins in my life. Oh, you've never heard of Ryan Haskins. That's okay. But that's who, that's who the Lord used. I, I think of the, this, the story when I, when I became the senior pastor again, I've only been here three years. There's, we have one founding member of the church who's still alive. Our church is 60 years old. We've had, I'm the seventh senior pastor. And, uh, and she knew me when I was a kid, which is also has some struggles. Cause you know, let's be real. All of our junior high stories need to go away. And she <laughs> looked at me and goes, Ryan, I can't, th I can't think of you as my pastor. You can't be my pastor. And I was understanding because she's 92. I'm like, yeah, I get that. You could, you, you literally could be my grandmother. I, I understand that. She goes, my pastor is pastor Tom. And I'm like, who? And it was the third pastor in line who I didn't even, I can't even think of his last name right now or I would use it, but it's Pastor Tom. She goes, he was my pastor because it was him that the Lord used to show me. And then she, and then she, she, listed, she listed all these things. And I was thinking, I was like, I don't know Tom's last name. I don't know what he looked like. I've never heard one of his sermons, but Joe Howell loves Pastor Tom. And when she's sitting on her couch to this day, she goes, who did the Lord use most of my life? She's thinking of Tom. And I'm thinking Tom is in heaven glorifying God, not because Joe's singing of him, but because Joe's thinking of the Lord through him. So that's that. I, I, so, so success for me is I want to be that guy. I want to be Tom. We're in 20 years. No one's going to go Ryan who it's the Lord used somebody to proclaim his name. <laughs> this is really good guys. Cause you've reminded me that, uh, that the great part about the Christian life, uh, and and I would say uh, a metric as to whether I'm successful or not is when I get to that end of that day and I lay my head in the pillow and I look back and say, and I ask the question, best day ever? And, and I say, no, uh, I, got in my, I got in my own way so many different times through this, through that, through that. But the idea that here I am asking the question, wanting to do, uh, wanting, uh, wanting to do better uh, and, and repenting of those times during that day that I, that I didn't get it right. And knowing that, that I get tomorrow, I get the next day when I wake up to say, Lord, here I am. You know me, <laughs> help me to stay out of the way this day. Uh, and, uh, and let's go for whatever you have in front of me. Um, so to me, success is that relationship and that, that, that repentance that, that, that constantly comes and, and my, my desire and my aspiration to continue to want to be all that I can be for Christ. Can you think of one person in the Bible, though, outside of Jesus, that the Lord used to proclaim his name that doesn't have some massive failure in it? Mm. 
Well, like, I was just going to, yeah. I, I'm just thinking like this idea of like, we, we always try to get out of our own way. And yet I'm like, well, Moses had a lot of days where he laid his head on the pillow and went, what in the world did I just do? And David had those days and Solomon had those days and Jeremiah had, I mean, all the, the, the scripture, the, the story of redemption is filled with people who blew it and were unsuccessful in the Christian life in major ways. And yet Christ gets the glory. And that's, well, and I think that's, that's why a, a passage like Hebrews 11, right? We, we look at it and we look at those names sometimes and we were like, why is this person included? Why, you know, how, how in the world did this person make it? Um, but it, it, it culminates ultimately in 12 that who were they looking to? Who were they having faith in? Where, where did things ultimately rest? And I think that gives us a, a metric, but it also gives us an aspiration of, man, I, I know I'm going to fail. Um, I know that there are major scars and limps, as we've talked about. But, you know, praise God that this is not ultimately dependent on me, but it ultimately is pointing back to Christ and what he's going to do. And uh, and that gives me that gives me hope, honestly, um, because I think without that, it would be a, a very miserable uh, kind of existence to, to evaluate my own success and the church's success. Yeah. Any closing of- thoughts? Yeah, this conversation has been been good. And in my Bible reading today, I was just recognizing how apropos this particular passage is. Uh, I'm reading First uh, John uh, chapter two. Uh, I do my devotions in the New Living Translation, but verse 24, and it's just so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life. He promised us. I have written these things uh, to you because you need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you all things. And what he teaches is true. Uh, It is not a lie. So continue in what he has taught you and continue continue to live in Christ. Um, Just love the again the principles brought out there that true relationship that we have and uh and our desire to just uh enjoy enjoy that life enjoy his pleasure of wanting to be with him and live with him amen well this has been a great conversation uh kind of considering some of the ideas of success both uh for our churches and for us personally as leaders i hope it's been an encouragement to you we would love to hear from you. If you have other thoughts or comments, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, But uh, we're going to sign off and hopefully you'll come back and listen to us again as we compare notes about life and ministry. Thanks for coming and being a part. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.